G'day and welcome to Occupied, your fortnightly podcast for all things occupation and occupational therapy. Today, I got the distinct pleasure to have a chat with the man, the myth, the Jamie Grant. You may know him as the head honcho over at the OT Hub. We had a chat about a whole range of different things at the start uh, and went into detail about the hub, how it started, what he hopes for it, new developments, and everything in between. Thoroughly enjoyed this chat. It's been a long time coming, uh, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. And obviously there's no health without mental health, there's no without physical health, but, and, and obviously they're intertwined and, um, you know, I've, I've been through personal experiences of <clears throat> poor mental health and, uh, and, and how, and, you know, and how one interacts with the other, you, you can't really separate the two out. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you and me both. And I think everyone yeah. everyone has, if they sit back and think about it, whether it's major, minor, or something in between, everyone's had some, you know, even a hiccup sort of with mental health. Like everyone's been down or everyone's been super stressed and, you know, flipped out or flipped their lid or, you know, not been able to cope in some way. Like everyone's been through something. So, or or, or know someone who has and, help, and, you know, that someone close to them has sort of thing. So... It's, it shouldn't be any stranger to anyone. And I think it's it's still amazing to this day that there's some people that either don't like to talk about it or just don't think it's, you know, still see it as a weakness or, you know, something that needs to be hidden away kind of thing. So Yeah, and it comes maybe a little bit, it's not to be trying to be stereotypical, but it's sort of slight that kind of macho image thing. And then there's, you know, an historical... It's probably a, a fair historical fact that men haven't opened up as as perhaps as best as women have, and and so it's trying to trying to say it's okay. So a lot of the campaigns in the UK have been well, you know, it's it's just been sort of around that fact that it's just okay to talk about, and then it's um, you know, uh, you mate down the pub, you have a chat, and maybe it kind of leads somewhere. Um, and, and it's picking the right person, obviously, and picking the right time. But um, oh, I mean, I could. It, to be honest, if, if if it wasn't for my mental health or my mental ill health, I should say, everyone has mental health. I think that's a term that gets a bit confused. Um, if it wasn't for my mental ill health, um, <clears throat> I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Um, I wouldn't have taken had to take a pause in my career. Um, I won't give you the whole history, but I used to work in hospitality and events, and then I went into TV production, and then I was in radio for a bit. And um, a bit like you, I really sort of interested because obviously you've you wanted to combine your love of technology with your love of OT, and and that's how you've done it through through Occupied, and and that's and I've done a similar thing. Um, but if it if it wasn't for actually having to take a career break and actually moving careers because of poor health. And I'm to stop and, and sort of reset in a way, um, then I, I wouldn't be where I was now. So it's a bit, bit corny, but you know, it's sort of, you can almost be thankful for those moments after you pass through them, you know? I, mean, I was having a, a conversation with someone. Oh, I recorded an episode this morning. I was talking with the, the person then about not good, bad, all the stuff that's happening to me, like, wouldn't change it because, you know, even the bad stuff, you learn stuff from it or you, 
you grow from it or it forces you into something better or something different and you know without the bad stuff you wouldn't be where you are for this is for anyone like you wouldn't be who you are or where you are at the moment so good bad or otherwise it's that's what they're the bricks that have built you kind of thing so character character building we would say you know it's uh, yeah that's it gives you a bit of a backbone and i think i've come through and it, i'm not and then verging on to a bit of another subject here but you know when you, you kind of come through as a student um occupational therapist and you you have uh you have you're in a class um well when i was studying not that long ago to be fair um i was in a class of 60 and i'd say i was i was kind of in the middle when i started i thought right i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna be a mature student you know um i knew i was going into a profession that was uh predominantly female um but i thought and i thought that was going to be the main anomaly but i thought well no no i thought it'd be the two anomalies with that plus me being a bit old um and i know it's a matter of perspective and i say that to my colleagues at work and they just laugh at me when they're sort of 45 50 but um <laughs> But, you know, they, 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 I went in and I went in and 60, no, 66 of us and three, no, no, about five of us were men. So that was kind of to be expected. Yep. Um, but I was pretty much in the middle age bracket. I mean, it was sort of late, early mid twenties, late twenties, early thirties was the kind of a big okay. chunk. And really there were only about, I don't know, 10, 10 students who were sort of, Typical leaving college school age of eighteen. Was it master's um, program or bachelor? Uh, it was bachelor. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We. Uh, well. Yeah. I mean, I could have done a master's, but most of us tend to do the bachelor route. Yep. I'd say. Um, well, I couldn't give you the, the, the definitive thing on that because, of course, a lot of people find OT later in life, but and maybe have done a degree before. Another whole kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, but. Um, but yeah, so and then actually, to 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 for there to have been, you know, a couple of people in their late thirties, a chunk of people in their early forties, some uh, two people in their fifties, one of which I'm really good mates with now, and and is part of my team at the hub, um, you know, and they've been through so many. Like, we come from mental health to this. I think my connection, my brain was that um, there's that certain amount of resilience and life experience that kind of going through the crap times um for want of a, a nicer word is uh is is sort of helpful um there were probably some amazing occupational therapists uh, at the age of 21 who graduated with me um who have had really touching personal experiences with um with you know a family member who's gone through something or um uh I don't know, maybe not even the person experience, but they just get it. They just get it from day yeah, one. Yeah. But I would say the ones who kind of maybe stuck it out a bit longer, who maybe did a bit better on placement. Don't know what you call it in Australia. Yeah, do you placement. call it like yeah. placement field? Yeah, it's field work in the States. Um, you know, the ones who kind of shone there. Because the thing is, you can come out. Yeah, I suppose actually the 18-year-olds are great at, um, at doing the sort of – academia because they just come out of their they haven't stopped <laughs> yeah and, and that's been their life and, and and actually for someone who's 35 40 or whatever who's having to go and do essays again is, is 
you know, quite a, a steep sort of relearning curve, if you like. Um, I know that feeling right now because I've just started studying again after like 11 years and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I can definitely what, feel that pain. What's uh, for, for danger of changing subject again quickly when I could carry on? What, uh, what, what has led you to re-engage and study now? Research. So yeah, and so I'm studying a, a graduate diploma in research methods, essentially to upskill in research. So yeah, that's the mainly. It's part of the the job to be, you know, they want you to be doing research and stuff. And I'm like, well, if I don't know that much about, or don't feel confident with it, then I'm going to do some study and upskill on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, definitely. And obviously, you being in in academia, kind of, well, makes sense, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so some some yeah. days I wonder, but yeah. <laughs> um, so um, but yeah, no, yeah. I, I completely agree with you on on terms of like life experience. Even now, like in my teaching, like some of the like how even how you teach some of the mature age students is slightly different. Even depending on how old they are, you can teach some of the older students, uh, like I guess more conceptually as opposed to like concrete examples and that kind of stuff. And then they're able to extrapolate concepts out themselves as opposed to having to give examples for everything, uh, like some of the young, and that's just, you know, crystallized intelligence. Yeah. That's just a developmental thing, but yeah. it, it changes how the, you, you interact and how you teach the different demographics. Yeah. And it must be a real challenge um, for you, I guess I'm, not wanting to start interviewing you, but like, I suppose it must be quite <laughs> <It's> happened before. <laughs> well, but yeah, the, the, that is interesting. It's a two-way conversation, but um, but it must, yeah, it must be quite a challenge as a lecturer to try and cover that breadth of of ages, experiences. It's like we break down a, you know, I don't know, your, your CMOP, you know, your kind of physical, social, institutional, cultural environment. You know, in this room that you're teaching, you've got people from all sorts of social, institutional, cultural uh, backgrounds, and you're trying to kind of tell them one thing um, from and from your perspective. Well, maybe your perspective, but from a I suppose from a backed up, cited, you know, academic perspective. But obviously, your input, your 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 stamp is always on there. Um, uh, but yeah, no, it must be quite hard. As I did, it's yeah to to kind of keep everyone entertained. Entertained is maybe the wrong word, but um, you know, uh, it it can be. It presents, I guess, our challenge. I don't find it like something that's super difficult. It just means you have to, I guess, cover the same concept or whatever it is that you're teaching in multiple ways. But you can do that, you know, as you're going anyway. So. You teach a concept, you give examples, you give a couple of different examples, you know, using different, like one more a conceptual one, one more a really concrete one. So you kind of deliver the material in a way that there's something in there for the vast majority. And then if there's the good thing about teaching, I guess, adults instead of, you know, high school kids and that kind of stuff is if they have a question, they're going to ask legitimate questions. So, and then I can clarify if there's something that I haven't quite explained, you know, as well as I, I possibly should have, which... I guarantee happens more often than not, but yeah, yeah. It's I don't I don't find it too bad. I can see that yeah, I it's easier now having identified it as something to be aware of. I think if you weren't aware or you hadn't thought about it, then you could easily miss 
um, like a whole group of students in your class um, on terms of how you deliver your content. But yeah, once you're aware of it, I think it's it's not too much of an adjustment to to yeah. cover cover a wider range. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about teaching at one point, and it was always that question: of, well, do you teach primary school kids or secondary school, or I don't know what they call it? Yeah, primary secondary for us, it's yep. the age of eleven and then eleven to eighteen, and uh, and it was always that. Like, well, oh, well, you know, if you're a primary school teacher, you you know you've got to, you've got to be jack of all trades. You know, you've got to do teach the geography in the morning, then you've got to do the history in the afternoon, and then you've got to do you know art in in uh, the next day, or whatever, and um, so you're a jack of all trades, and that's that's pretty hard. And you've got to deal with kids who aren't maybe as attentive or whatever. And then, but secondary, you kind of got that. Oh well, you're going through your, you know, your, your teenage years, your adolescence, your puberty. Your kind of um, all the angst that then comes out of that, and that gives a, another element of challenge, but then uh, another element of reward because people are starting to question and. and you know, there'll be the there'll be the good students who will challenge you and will ask you questions that will make you think maybe as a teacher or mm. better. Um, and then you get the the ones who just you know want to just want to go around the bike sheds and smoke a cigarette and and uh, you know get out as quick as possible. And um, uh, how did I come to this? I don't know, but um, <laughs> but just that, yeah, I guess in being dealing with adults, you've got that that attentiveness and keenness to learn perhaps um yeah and i think that you know it's not like school where they have to be there they're they're choosing to be there so i think that makes a difference as well so you said before that you you changed careers and you chose ot and moving to ot what may what was it about ot that sort of caught your eye like why did you choose ot of all things like you said you just then like you considered teaching and that kind of thing but why why did you settle on ot um I wouldn't say I settled. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not to say I'm moving on, but I, I, I slipped, I slipped into it. Um, I would say probably more. It's probably more common than, than we might think. Really, like I think, for me at least, it was having done a few things before, which, you know, now I could break down, you know, an occupational analysis, blah blah, and, and sort of, you know, really, really kind of. Um, drill into the reasons why those things back then weren't suited to me but at the time I was doing at the end of the day I was doing bar work I was working in um, events I was doing stuff that was always working with people um, but I had a bit of a glass ceiling at points didn't pay very well it was you know early years when you kind of um, when you're not uh, uh, you know you're just doing it for a bit of cash um, and then you have to start thinking seriously um I my dad was in hospitality that kind of he does hotel events sort of development stuff so I kind of you know kind of had that social environmental um influence um but then when was us doing my a levels as we call them over here the kind of 18 17 18 year old final exams and I just um for whatever reason I, I slipped into a couple of quite a serious depressions on a, on a, a number of years um, and I had to pull out, I had to redo those exams um, and just sort of got a bit lost. And I'd always been like a grade A student, not, <clears throat> you know, intentionally, but well, I'd always worked pretty hard to be honest. Um, 
maybe we're tapping a bit into that whole burnout thing. Maybe that was a bit of what did it. But I kind of slipped into a bit of a, a bit of a low point, and um, this happened a couple of times. I went through the system, you know, I was on, you know, I was on medications. I was talking to various people. This is before I even knew about OT. Um, and anyway, so I, I kind of um, had to re had to just define, had to find myself again, you know, you kind of lose yourself. Um, so then I, I've sort of always been, in, I lived in an area that was near a TV studio. So I was really, uh, it's kind of always interested in that kind of exciting world of television, which once you've been in, in and out of it, you, you kind of discover isn't that exciting and, uh, and there's <laughs> you sell yourself soul to the, the devil and be in the right place at the right time. And, and, kind of uh suck up to the right you know you've got to really kind of pander to the right people yeah, yeah. Um, you've, you've seen how the sausage is made now <laughs> it's you what you've seen how the you've sausage is made now i've not heard that phrase really um no it's like no. <laughs> you've seen the 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 sort of gritty oh i see the gross stuff and now it's not as exciting anymore yeah yeah no yeah um <laughs> so Oh, I'll, I'll have my barbecue next. It's, it's summer over here. So <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually chucking it. It's chucking it outside right now. It's pouring rain in, in my part of West uh, England, but you know, should be should be some weather. But um, when I next pop on my uh, my my uh, my sarnies, my, my uh, sausages, I'll think of that. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I was kind of I was just <laughs> just going through a. Um, and if I need to find myself again, so I've got, oh, it's Teddy's really exciting. I'll get into this and it's, you know, and it's all about who you know, not what you know. That was, that's, that was a curse and a blessing. And um, uh, so I kind of, you know, made the right connections, sort of, you know, put in the time to sort of meet people, then got a gig as a, what they call a runner, which is basically the sort of bottom of the chain, you know, make the top coffees, go and do the photocopying, run around, um, uh, but actually thinking about it in perspective was again all about supporting teams and working across teams communicating between the production department and the um you know the uh the art department and then the the camera crew and um there was a lot of yeah a lot of connections a lot of um looking after people which i kind of had <laughs> from hospitality and working in, in restaurants and looking after people but in a different yep. You know, and obviously capacity. in a non-health capacity, yeah. Um, so I sort of always liked working with people, um, but then just come to realise after a couple of years, it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't as creative as I wanted it to be. That was the thing yeah. I committed to be creative, and I couldn't really be very creative doing photocopying. No. Um, and you know, I could have stuck it out a few more years and been in the right point at the right time and got the right gig. Um, and actually jumped up pretty quickly. It was a bit, a bit of luck of the draw, really, and I kind of needed something else. Anyway, without kind of giving you my full life history in, in three hours, I then uh, was actually just looking through an old secondary school, like, careers book, um, one of those kind of A to Z type, you know, like yep. a dictionary of careers. And then, um, yeah, and typical sort of, you know ones were coming up and i'll just sit on my sofa at home back to my parents house and not know what to do in my life and um you know b for banker came up you know c for chartered surveyor f for farmer all of these kind of things i'd heard about to less or more degrees and 
and of course you know you get to O and um and I hadn't heard of occupational therapy before um but it was ticking a hell of a lot of on on sort of reading there was only about three or four pages in this book but um you know for for OT but but reading through it it kind of it was ticking a lot of boxes mm. in terms of what I valued in a job having been through you know the media world where a long contract a long work contract is sort of a month or three yeah, weeks yeah. <laughs> you're always looking for the new job when you've just started the one you're in and um so I didn't value that ir- irregularity I didn't value um not being creative I didn't value so it was just sort of and it and then it was like right okay this this is creative this is varied you specialize um but then once you specialize you can then re-specialize in many different directions yeah as an occupational therapist and uh you're helping people which is great you're doing a people focused job ultimately you're not sitting behind a, a, a spreadsheet for seven hours a day putting in numbers um you know which i'm sure for some people is highly meaningful but not to me yeah, um yeah. so um so yeah it just it just really yeah it kind of resonated with me and having had personal and and friends sort of challenges mental health physical health challenges uh, i've got a friend who's got epilepsy and asperger's syndrome and he's been through all sorts of stuff um you know it just it kind of it yeah it sounded sounded great um so yeah i then had to go through a, a sort of a, a system because i've been out of, out of education for you know, go, coming on a decade, and um, and so I had to do a sort of another course to then yep, be like allowed to go course. back into university. Um, and I and I was sad to had to pay rent at that point, so I was doing a mental health uh, support worker job um, in London at the time, yep. and that was that was great. That was my first proper healthcare job, and that was working with people with schizophrenia. Um, bipolar and all kinds of quite complex mental health conditions and this was me as a support worker at sort of low grade pre-OT education um but just thrown in there I was um you know not that it made a particular difference but I was the only white person in that building Mm -hmm. um because it was in a part of London that um that was very black Afro-Caribbean um and this service was exclusively for um for that community and um so there was another layer of sort of okay i'm dealing with people quite complex mental health problems who are having visual and auditory hallucinations whilst i'm supporting them to take their medication um but they're also maybe 30 years older than me but they're also from a different culture and and that was a hell of a learning I was curve. Say, that's, um, that's the deep end right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that what was a way quite to learn to swim. <laughs> and, and you know, and I probably probably didn't get it on a lot of times. I probably kind of they probably looked at me thinking, you know, what do you know? You barely, you know, you barely look old enough to be my son or whatever. And yeah. <laughs> in some, cases. Um, uh, but you know, and that was then it was all about the rapport building and the, the sort of. Um, the time aspect at the end of the day things take you know relationships take time and um, and yeah and sometimes you get it wrong and sometimes you catch on a good day or on a bad day obviously anyone has good days and bad days but for some of these people <clears throat> a bad day was 
it was pretty bad. Uh, they might not have been aware of it at the time. Actually, sometimes there was a bit of a lack of mental capacity. But um, but you know, uh, it was yeah, highly rewarding. Um, I kind of one person I always remember. He 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 was a illegal immigrant, or he was seeking asylum. I should say he was seeking asylum, and he was from Libya. Um, and he, uh, I don't know how he'd come to live in London, but he, anyway, he had a whole load of kind of sort of right to remain issues uh, that alongside his mental health, alongside his poor self-care that was on the back of his poor mental health, mm. uh, you know, living in an area, he didn't have many friends in a, um, so many things financially constrained and, and, and all of that. Uh, but he he wasn't really meant to be in the country, or he was he needed to. So we went we went to a local uh, legal office and and looked to sort of try and get his asylum. Um, he was massively overweight, so we uh, were trying to get him some free support for access to um, a local leisure centre. Um, uh, and there was just oh, it was it was really thinking about it. The stuff I was doing then. Was actually probably more OT than what I've been doing the last uh, <laughs> year. Actually, um, just not under a <clears throat> not just under not under banner. an OT hat. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you kind of asked me a question, and I kind of rambled for a long time. But I think um, no, that's that's yeah, it. Maybe that's a bit of an idea. <laughs> of, I've come into it now, but. Um, I think support works are really good. I mean, I did support work while I was at uni as well. I, I think it's a really good thing for AT students to do while they're at uni because I think uh, it's almost like easing into it where you kind of get a bit of experience and then some of the stuff that you're learning at uni, you can probably, like some of the models and that kind of stuff, you can probably, you know, almost relate to depending on, what, you know, who you're supporting. Like it's relevant to the course that you're you're learning. Like I remember when I was at, uni and I was um supporting this this guy who had autism and he had epilepsy and a couple other things and even just the concept of like activity analysis and setting up graded programs like I could do that with this guy and you know we taught him to use a knife and fork and and that sort of stuff like just using those sort of real basic 101 OT 101 skills that you know you learn at uni and I think for me it one it obviously helped that guy but it also helped me get my head around some of those concepts as well because I could see them at work. I had something to relate them to. And I, I was I was a mature age. I was sort of I had one year off in between um like school and, and uni. So but I was still, you know, very limited life experience. And I think having it was almost like getting the life experience on the fly kind of thing because I had something to relate it to that I was doing while I was studying as opposed to, you know, some people like mature age students who go out, work another job, like you were talking about before, like you had all this experience with people and managing and, you know, all that sort of stuff before you went into uni. So you still would have had to be been able to make some of those links with the stuff that you're learning based on the stuff that you've already done. Uh, and I think that's what a lot of people like straight out of high school, our, our course is quite a lot um, of students that are sort of straight out of high school or, very, or quite young. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I reckon at least... Half of them would be under 20, 17, 18, 19, that sort of oh, okay. thing. Like they're, yeah. they're quite young. 
in, in a lot of uh, or this year anyway in the last couple of years that I've been there and I think that that life experience like you do get some that have you know traveled or worked their whole lives and that kind of stuff that have a bit more life experience that they can sort of anchor some of these concepts to as they're learning them but there's a lot that I think will they're still learning the concepts but they'll probably go through it like I did in that like I learned the concepts but it probably wasn't until sort of placement or even sometimes after graduation when it finally clicked and it was like oh that's what it was talking about this is what they meant <laughs> like so I think it does happen it's just how I guess the order in, in in which things happen I guess is probably the main difference I think yeah definitely I think uh theory and practice is <clears throat> obviously two very different things and I'm I'm uh the depending on the setting you're in um it just lends itself or not and and to to sort of keeping to tapping back in so you know you called them like ot 101s or whatever like they're they're kind of the building blocks but uh if you're in a setting um like my recent one which i've loved i'm actually just about to move into a new uh, completely new setting a new job um uh next month but um but if you're in the job that I've just been in, um, actually, I'm in a very merged role where I'm not, I'm, the time to do an activity analysis just isn't there. Um, it's an acute urgent care community setting. And um, I don't have time to do activity analysis. I don't have time to tap into leisure occupation. I don't have time to, uh, you know, necessarily do graded, um, you know, graded, uh sort of grading and pacing and well no there is some grading and pacing i suppose but um you know there's a whole host of things that i'm not really using from the three years that i uh, that i trained um hence partly why I'm, I'm moving on and i've had a great time where i've been but um but i but then you know you move into a new role and, and actually then tap into all of them but but because our profession is so curse and blessing like is so broad you know you and i in different sides of the world but even you know you're me versus someone who lives around the corner who's an ot who goes to maybe even the same hospital or the same uh but is working with a different demographic of people or a different condition or just such a different um experience uh of the profession and, and ability to tap into those basic those basic ot 101s um and 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 i think that's why i'm still really glad that i've come into this profession because uh i don't ever get bored you know i think there'll always be a different area to tap into at some that you can yeah pick up on things that you might have learned you know 10 years ago as a 20 years ago as a student but um, and that's where then actually the student and going on to something else there now, then the student versus the the educated, uh, the, the, the long-standing, the qualified therapist kind of really gain from each other. Um, from what I've learned in my short time in this career so far is that, um, you know, you can have work, you can, have, you can be a slightly graying head, male or female occupational therapist who's been practicing for 35 years and who's, done a PhD and who's done this and that and you know um you might feel fairly on top of your game um in your bubble um 
you know, and I don't mean that in a sort of negative way, but in your, you're probably highly specialised in a particular area, um, which I guess in any career you only naturally kind of end up doing. You kind of funnel yourself in one direction. Um, but, you know, you are in a bubble because you have gone a particular direction. You've also... Um, and, and you know, this isn't to single out someone who's done a PhD versus someone who's worked in acute care for 30 years. This is just having fresh eyes and the, the power of the, the, the young person coming into the profession to challenge you to, to sort of say, what do you mean by that? Um, to sort of actually maybe have more of the, you know, evidence base, the current evidence base, because they've just been learning it at, at uni or, um, I think maybe there is, I don't know, so there's as much to gain from, there's as much an, a, a, a more mature OT can gain from a, a young OT as a young OT from a, an old OT. I don't know if it's quite equal, really, because I'd say probably the life experience, the, the perspective, the um, the years of working in different areas mean that older, that, that more qualified, sort of more maturity has probably a little bit more in their bag. but. I just, I just, I think there's a, that, that's, there's so oh, much. There's, there's definitely a, a mutual thing. And that's what we tell a lot of our sort of CEs and even the students when they go out on placement. I'm like, these guys are going to be trying to learn from you. Like you guys are coming out with the current evidence base. You guys have been trained in the the current paradigm of the profession some of these people, you know, if, you, if your supervisor's been out for 30 years, the, the whole paradigm of the profession that they trained in doesn't exist anymore. Like, if they haven't been keeping on top of things, then all of the models that they know, the applications, even just the core values of the profession are now different. So in those sort of instances, your student's going to be more on top of, you know, the profession itself than the 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 CE and that's where like because we our our educators come in and they'll do like you know how to supervise students kind of thing little courses that we run and that's something that we put to them like you these students are fresh like you can learn off them use them as your your CPD kind of thing like you can learn yeah. the current models and the the current perspectives and the current lenses that the profession is using because that's what they're they're coming out loaded with so. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably probably argue your point about saying that the, the core values of the profession are completely different. I'd probably, I, I, I would say, well, you'd hope, I guess, of a, of a hundred-year-old profession that the core values are still there and that the, the basics are still the same, but um, but that, and that, you know, you, your kind of standard models haven't really, I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but, you know, you've still got your moho You've still got your CMOP, you've still got your um, Cower, you've still got your kind of, at least from a Western OT perspective, I'm only speaking from... They're not that old, that. though. No, I <laughs> no, I suppose not, no. Um, no, so who wants to say, you know, by the time I become that experienced OT and there's someone 30, 40 years my um, junior, that actually there isn't a whole load of new models in our profession. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, I suppose the roots of, a, of the profession will always be there. And so the values of the value of occupation and, you know, in one of your earliest podcasts, you talked about, 
you know, you touched on occupation as means versus ends and, and your kind of, you know, your projects of trying to be more occupational in your practice or yep. in your, you know. Um, episode one, I think. I think that was the first one. I think I remember you had like an intro episode yeah, and then yeah. there was like, a, maybe it was the second one, but it was early on. And and you, uh, you know, and, and that, so the values, I suppose, I think should always remain in that we, ultimately occupation is the thing that drives the improvement in health and well-being and and you either do that as as means through using an activity to improve confidence improve dexterity improve whatever or or as or as um or as ends to sort of to get to where you're going to do what you want to do and and so yeah so that will always remain i think and there's also you know, I think there's there's a bit of a debate really about there's always this debate about the word occupation and that's a whole other whole other ball game and you know really <laughs> the public is never ever I don't ever I don't think I this hasn't been pessimistic but I don't think they're ever really gonna see occupation other than what it is traditionally known as being and it being a vocation a work related word and that really frustrates me because it's just so um you know, it's used so commonly as you're going through school. Oh, what what occupation do you want to do? And and um, and I don't think, yeah, I don't think that's going to change. So then you say, well, do we change our title as profession? Well, you know, jury's out on that, and we probably won't. Um, we maybe we shouldn't. I, I don't know if I want to. I've got a strong enough opinion about that, but. Um, you know, what do you call yourself? Do you call yourself a, an activity therapist? That sounds somewhat more trivial, I think, for some reason. It doesn't sound as, uh, sound as <laughs> professional, yeah. Um, do you call yourself a... I don't know, I had this conversation with someone a while back and it was we, there were a couple that came up, activity... I remember, um, I, remember um, I don't know if you know Grant Mitchell, the millennial yes, IT. He, yeah. he put out a video... Um, saying he'd found some document somewhere or a book or something that was highlighting when they were trying to choose the name occupational therapy, like a whole list of the ones that they'd considered. And yeah, there was a lot of them were around like teacher. So it was like activity teacher and that kind of stuff and um, rehab technicians. There was a whole list. Of, I think he had about, I think he had about 20 different names that they considered. Oh, I don't know. I I don't. I personally don't think we need to change the name. I think we just need to not necessarily. I I think we can explain what it is. I just think we don't because it seems too hard and we're lazy. I don't know. Uh, I've never had an issue explaining to people, and there's there's simple ways to explain it as well. Like no. So the thing is, there's never. I think you know, as you become more confident in in your qualified life you know you can sum it up in in a in a sentence or two um quite easily uh, well i think you can do that as a student to be honest but but you know you become because of the very by the very nature of, of us you know you speak to a you meet a new friend you go down the pub you speak to someone you whatever it is and you, you, you maybe come across a conversation where you're talking about what you do and you say what you do and then and then they invariably may not have heard of it um and so you become quite good at explaining it to mm. and using normal language as well, not trying to be all yeah. uh you know um 
but yeah so that i think that that's easy enough to explain it but it's the bigger challenge i think is it becoming and that's where media comes in that's where uh that's where i think the power of the media is quite well it's very strong because actually you know if you have there's multiple documentaries or, or you know news pieces you see here where they'll talk about or you know even in current healthcare reform and it's you know it's always talking about doctors and nurses doctors and nurses and and you know maybe physiotherapists get thrown in there because and, and so it's a bit self-perpetuating because like maybe actually the person who's doing that documentary or that news piece say oh well oh, people know what new doctors and nurses are they know what physio is so I'll, I'll mention that even though this 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 uh, store I'm working on has, has covered all these professions well I'll, I'll use the ones that people know and and then then that self-perpetuates the fact that those words are used more often in, in common language in the media and um, it just it just needs it is just going to take time isn't it I think just having raising the profile it's, it's something that's obviously an ongoing thing and I don't and it's, it's <sighs> I, I think people uh, also forget too like Doctors and nurses have been around for what four hundred years, or like on terms True. of on terms of health professions, like we're the new kid on the block still. And yeah, it's a hundred years in America, but you know, I don't know when what year it sort of started in the UK, and it was probably I, was I think it was around the thirties or forties in Australia. Like you know, this, the professions still relative compared to other health professions, we're still the the baby. So, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not overly surprised that people still don't know what we do. I think if we're consistent in the message that we're putting out as a profession, like, we'll see that change and it'll happen. We just, you know, it's no use. I, I think the people that are going, oh, we've got to change the name of the profession, that kind of thing, it's just being really, like, too reactive. Because I think if you yeah, start jumping and changing and that kind of stuff, like, you know, we, we're still going to have to explain. We're going to be like, Oh yeah, we're now called this. We used to be occupational therapists. Like we're we're still going to be explaining it to people. We're just explaining something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No fair point. Uh, but I mean, that perspective of the age of our profession is 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 valid. And and um, uh, yeah, I I I think it's just um, it's just something that's gonna. It's always gonna be there. Yeah. Um, it'll be there as long as i'm in the profession like i don't expect it i've already seen shifts in it from the 12 or 13 years or whatever that i've been an ot or however long it's been 12 12 years 11 years i can't remember like i've already seen shifts in that so like i I know there's going to be you know, that shift is going to keep happening i don't expect it to be like you know where the top of the food chain you know most known health profession ever by the time i retire but I know that it's going to keep changing, and you know the profession's the profession's growing at such a rapid rate. Yeah, and it's going in the right direction. And unfortunately, yeah. fortunately, unfortunately, with the aging population, at least in the West, is that you know there's only, a, from my point of view, from my you know experience here, is that there'll only ever be more of a need for what we do, not not less. And um, you know, having to adapt, having to, it's a twofold thing. It's the aging population. So actually people living older, you know, having comorbidities, multiple things going on at that, you know, I've worked for the last year with, with the older generation and, you know, we, we will get a referral for one thing and actually they've got six other things you end up dealing with. Um, and, and 
so the Asian population is is one reason that we will keep being needed. Uh, uh, and the other thing that ties in with that, obviously, is is continually strained financial budgets. Um, you know, at least in the UK, we have a we have a national health service, and actually, that's buckling under pressure of that Asian population, alongside you know immigration, alongside all sorts of other things that are putting a pressure on the system. And actually, therefore, we've got to save money. How do you save money? You don't spend three grand or two grand or whatever it is some very high figure uh, that I don't know the exact number of, but a hospital bed costs a lot of money uh, for a night. So if we can keep them at home uh, and make a small ad- adjustment, uh, then yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's, 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 all, it's, all, it's all good for our profession, I think. And what I'm really, what I'm really enthused by is, is what, you know, what you've been doing, what um, I've been trying to do the last couple of years, um there are loads of and through your podcast that i'm hearing all sorts of people from around the world doing some great things in very different areas from you know the, the connections i've made and the, the the membership community that we have now have at, at the hub um there's there's this this common under there's just so much going on that and that's all, I mean, the joy of the internet, another whole subject in itself, but because of the, those abilities to connect, like I'm speaking to you right now, from the other side of the world, I was watching something, a documentary last night. Um, I don't often watch documentaries in the evening because I just need to stop thinking. But, um, you know, uh, it was all about the how the, the mobile telephone came about. <laughs> and it goes way back to, so the smartphone, and it goes way back, way back to Morse code to you know, smoke signals to, you know, the early stages of, of man trying to communicate. Yep. And then the problems that became, they faced and how they overcame them and going from wired signals to wireless to... It's just amazing that we can do what we're doing right now and and through the internet, um, through social media, the, 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 the ability to spread the word of what we do is... is largely free and um and yeah it's it's easily accessible and i think that's an awesome segue because i do want to talk about the hub because i am very interested to find out that's probably where most people if you're listening to this will probably know jamie from is the the occupational therapy hub and you started that when you were still a student did you or close yeah towards the end yeah of course i know from your from a previous occupied talk when you turned to talia she had a similar thing with starting her YouTube channel, um, Endless Education. Um, I, yeah, she, I think she was first, second year, I can't remember. She would have but been anyway, I, I was, third year. I was doing, so she was, uh, so she was trying something, you know, quite bold um, to put herself, and she talked about it in that episode, um, which I recommend you go and listen back to if you haven't already. Um, and uh, you know, she talked about that that vulnerability, uh, and you asked her. So, well, you know, why video? Why YouTube? Why put yourself in front of the camera? Um, and you know, that, that, that's a bold thing to do. And she sort of, she just sort of, I don't know. She maybe from her experiences, she had just always she what well, she'd said she watched countless hours of YouTube channels herself, and then perhaps thought at some point, right. I've got something that I could give here. And she talked about how she wanted to be a, um, a doctor potentially at one point. And so endless education was more of a, 
a generic term and, and uh, that she could perhaps adapt. And anyway, so um, I, I kind of, in a similar way, I I don't know what was your question. <laughs> what was your question again? <laughs> well, how did you go? Why why did you start the hub? Yeah. Um, so uh, I it combines like I, ta- I touched in too earlier. Like you, I have a passion for connecting people for media for that sort of digital world if you like um through just growing up in that you know being one of the generation who kind of grew up with the internet starting and all of that um doing msn doing all of that stuff um <laughs> doing, doing all of that um and then and then going into sort of media and doing a little bit of i did a bit of uh, student radio which i loved um so I'd had a kind of media sort of past and I was now in a new profession and I felt there was a need to, I, did, I felt there was a gap in the, in the sense that we have our, we have our professional bodies. We have, um, we have those and they're great and we need them to advocate for our profession. Um, but they are nation specific. They invariably require um, a payments to be a member of um and sometimes quite a large payment sometimes quite a large amount i won't name any particular organizations but you know when you're you know when you're at least large in the uk you're on statutory you know you're working for the national service so you're not on private wages um when you've got your um you've got your pressure registration you've got to upkeep and you're we have a pressure like a a body that we have to pay uh, an amount to to register us. So anyway, you're on a low wage and you've got a load of outgoings. And so I, I, it frustrated me that if you wanted to access certain things, you had to pay something additional. Um, and I felt that it was very hard. I, I really applaud, you know, I've learned so much from the OT for OT suite of Facebook groups, for example, um, I've tapped into Twitter chats here and there. Um, uh, the, there's in the UK we have the O Talk uh, chat every Tuesday night, eight o'clock on, uh, uh, you know, on all kinds of subjects, and they've got one in the, the US as well, um, and they're great. Uh, some people kind of like certain methods of tapping into continuing educational, you know, continuing professional development, learning. Um, I, in a nutshell, I was trying to bring everything under one roof because uh, there's so much out there. And unless you stumble across the right Facebook group or you happen to be on Twitter at eight o'clock or you happen to speak to the right person, there'd be a whole breadth of uh, wealth of information out there that you weren't even aware of. Um, so, uh, yeah, the hub came about because I felt there wasn't one space that was a an international uh open access place yeah a hub exactly (laughs) and if you look up the definitions of a hub it's a kind of a meeting point it's like a spoke a spokes on a wheel a hub is a spoke it's it's, you know another definition is to do with a wheel and it's how it's through which things radiate out from and and in that same way the hub is a the occupational therapy hub is a place that people can go to but then probably get sent out in all other directions um, because we, we, we've always prided ourselves on 
Uh, initially, we always had three words and they were explore, collaborate and promote. Um, explore, you know, the breadth of the profession, the, the depths of different specialisms, different uh, conditions uh, and what have you. So that was explore. Collaborate was all about coming together, sharing information um, and promote was, was sort of around raising awareness of what we do. Um, and yeah, so I, I wanted to, uh, yeah, it just tapped into my enjoyment of digital, online communication, media, being creative. Mm -hmm. So every page that you see on the hub is uh, pretty much every page I've designed from the nth degree. I've, I'm, I've, <laughs> I've put too many hours into it uh, and it's changed a hell of a lot since it's, it's very, it's a, it's a young organization. Um, it started in August 2017. So we've just passed two years, um, but it really has kind of taken off from uh, in many ways in terms of the breadth of what we have on there um, and in the kind of communications we have with OTs in Africa, Lithuania, Australia, wherever. Um, and there are 156 countries now who tap into the hub. And I think I imagine a bit like you know, you've, you've seen on social media, you, you know, the, the stats for Occupied are amazing as well. You've got, you know, because of the internet as well, because of social media, I don't think either of our organizations, projects, whatever you want to call them, are would be where they are now without those those mm, free tools that we've been able to use. Um, so, um, yeah, so it, it, we, we now introduced a, a second membership, which is a, it's a, a very, very low cost paid membership but we've kept and will always keep a free membership because it goes back to the reason i started it in that it should be something that ultimately ultimately all we're doing in our profession is caring for people that's all we're doing it sounds i don't know Cliche, corny or whatever, yeah. but ultimately everything we do whether we're working in mental health physical health or we're you know you're you're a lecturer well you're imparting information that then allows other people to care for people. Yep. You're not directly caring for Mrs. Jones, but you are doing it. You're disseminating that that ability to yep. care. Um, so we don't, you know, we can get all, we can talk for ages about, I don't know, models of practice about um, uh, the fact that in the US you need a doctorate degree in, 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 a, in, a, in a few, you know, in the future to, to study the profession whether that's good or bad you can kind of we could go into so many conversations but ultimately we're just basically helping someone get better um, and why should you have to pay to access information to help somebody else out um that that's that's my gripe a little bit with some of the things out there um and i won't name them but um i think that's that's so, one of the reasons why i started mh for ot like way back in the day is i wanted like I've always sort of been under this sort of belief that you know knowledge shouldn't because back back then like webinars and everything like cost an absolute bomb and I'm like a lot yeah. of this information if you just talk to people like they're willing to talk to you so the whole purpose of setting up MH for OT way back in 2011 or whenever we did it. Oh, was yeah. to to create a space that people could come in and share information and share knowledge and it cost nothing like it was like you know the was it rising tide raises all ships so we'll you know we'll come in and share what you've got or share what you found and 
have conversations and engage with each other and connect and like you like you're talking about here like create a community and everyone benefits you know from from everyone in the community kind of thing yeah exactly and and um you know when you've got you know mhvot is one of the bigger uh ot groups isn't it um and um you know when you've got and then there's the sort of i don't know if you call it the parent one but the the ot for ot group itself it must have it must be nearing kind of thirty thousand members now yeah, um when you've got so many voices it, it really it, it means that i mean the things it can get to the point where actually any community can get too big mm. um and i'm not saying that ot for ot or any other any community is, is necessarily too big but um you know i suppose you don't have to think of the identity of that community what is the identity of that community when it grows to a point you know maybe like the hub might do at some point um we've got about six thousand members right now but you know and we've had that in two years um who knows where it might go in the future but if if any community gets too big um you think, well, what is that community now? It's only I mean, our, our community at the hub has always been a global community, so that, that that sort of you know that won't ever change. But um, uh, where am I going with this? I don't know. I think um, <laughs> I often find myself saying that. Um, Me too. Yeah, I, th- I think <laughs> communities are great, and we just have to. Um, and of course, there's a lot of moderating that then has to go into when things quite, quite yeah, big. Yeah. But the benefit of those bigger groups is that they become self perpetual, self um, sustaining, you know. Yeah. And that's what that's what the Facebook groups are doing very well. Um, uh, and that you know, we we have a we have a community forum at the hub where you can basically, essentially, you're having a, a Facebook type conversation with someone but away from social media. And actually, this was something that we were going to act at one point. Um, it was called the, it was called the OT forum or the, the, I don't know, it's called something else. And then it, it was, it became the community. It was the Q and a forum. That was it. We had the Q and a forum, but that kind of implied that you had to ask or answer a question. Yep. Question. Not, but so we then we called it the community forum because we didn't want it to be, we just want to be a bit more free flowing than that. Yep. Um, tap in with thoughts rather than ask a question or whatever. And at a few points we were going to ask that, and because of the success of social media, and actually people are, and because of the immediacy of a social media, because people are already going on social media for to catch up with what their you know friends' dog ate for breakfast yesterday, <laughs> or you know to see what their best mate is going to wear at the next you know night out. Um, you kind of have everything under one roof but then that's a curse and a blessing because then for me at least i started liking all these pages all these groups on facebook for example uh, and so what does my news feed fill up with it's just full of people i don't really know face to face groups that are great but you know so i, I kind of lost sort of uh i kind of lost my friends on social media yeah yep. um so i then started going through a bit of a, a curl and i thought well yeah, why not give people the option? You know, we're not trying to compete with OT for OT. We're not trying to compete with our Royal College here or the AOTA over there. Um, but why not give people the option if they don't? You know, there's also a generational thing where some people aren't on Facebook, some people aren't tweeting, some people aren't um, 
you know, and that will obviously change over the decades, actually, it will become the norm. Yeah. Um, but some people don't want to mix their work life and their social life. And um, perhaps there's also a apprehension about putting yourself out there on social media, asking a question about a client, a patient, whatever. Um, obviously, we have to adhere to confidentiality and, 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 and privacy. Yep. Uh, of, we support so there's probably that layer as well that yeah, some yeah. people don't reach out because of, of that fear of oh what if my boss sees it or my colleague sees it or what if you know um, and that, that that's always going to be there and I think um, that's then up to people like you and uh, and and in universities to I guess instill that confidence uh, in in people to do it but do it the right way you know yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a, like i, I teach a, a, a one workshop specifically on that for our fourth years so yeah like the semester just before they graduate so that's something that that we do i don't know what other unis do but i know that's something that we do and i think but i think that's mainly because i'm there and they know that that's you know i'm involved in that kind of stuff so they're like oh yeah let's tap into that skill set kind of thing no i mean i i know exactly what you mean like i've had people message me asking if i can post stuff on their behalf like a question on their behalf so that you know the boss doesn't see it or someone doesn't see it and i'm like seems a bit weird but okay depending on what they were asking but yeah i have done that in the past for for one or two people yeah and i've and i've done that recently with someone who reached out to me on linkedin actually um uh who yeah obviously we name her but like she there was her, her father was going through all sorts of issues and she was reaching out to me as a therapist i think she's a she was an ots is an ots herself but anyway she reached out and she said oh can you post this about my father for the you know these reasons uh i'd like some support some advice and and i did it and we did it in the forum and we posted as the hub um mm. we said oh there's someone um and then that, that's great and i've recently had a conversation with her where i had to say well look um you know, I I can't really keep updating this because, well, that's a whole other re- other other reason is that I just don't have the time, and yep. uh, and I think it's important that some people can have that level of anonymity. But um, I've kind of created a bit of a monster in the um, <laughs> a monster sounds a monster sounds negative, but I've and it isn't at all. I'm really I'm really proud of what what we've as a team have done, but. Um, but it's, it's, it's created something that um, I think there is a need for to a point. Some, I mean, you know, people for the last 100 years have got on perfectly fine in OT without having the occupational therapy have come along. Um, but I think um, there, is a, there's a, there is a distinct value in having everything under one roof, having an international space, having free access um, to information, um, and breaking this ultimately breaking down financial barriers that way by always having a free membership but also breaking down uh cultural barriers and and um and there is a danger actually sorry i'm a massive tangent here um i had a conversation with uh, michelle perryman who i know you've interviewed um she interviewed uh, me who's great <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah um and i had a conversation with her about and it was a very valid point she was making about how we need to be careful. The, the, the benefit of having this global space is that everyone can learn from each other, but actually we need to be careful that the information that's being disseminated is 
Um, well, it is culture. Is is large. I mean, our core values as a profession probably cover, you know, cross international boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, they do, but you know, the nuances and the the, the, the sort of some of the finer details do differ between countries and clearly what works for somebody over here i don't know i'm thinking of particular mental health uh services over here may not work over somewhere else and so we need to be i'm very mindful and this is a day as an ongoing challenge for, for me to, as running something that is growing as it is is to be careful with that in that i'm not not biasing the information I, that's being sent out yeah not so much well i suppose bias is probably is the word it's not it's trying to be representative uh, yeah, yeah. and trying to uh, and that is a real challenge and um, there's talia who i mentioned earlier as part of our team at the moment in she's in australia we have someone in spain someone in sweden america um india we've got people dotted around the world so we're trying to you know by having a team that is is international we, we, we're trying to keep it as representative as possible but it but it isn't at the moment enough and yeah, yeah. um and that's where we really reach out to the community to try and to try and uh to, to help us because it's a two it's, it should be a two-way street and it's meant to be a there's always been a platform that's meant to be shaped by the people who use it yep. um uh and and so we we i would, I would if anyone's listening who either has or hasn't been on the hub um and they do go visit it this week, next week, whenever, today. Um, think about engaging and, and giving something back because there's a hell of a lot of time and hours and sweat, blood, sweat and tears that have gone into it. Um, and there are a hell of a lot of people who have got involved, who have written therapy articles, who have um, su- submitted their podcasts, who have engaged in the forum, who have uh, you know, um, sent us a news article, whatever, and that's been amazing. But it's a very small percentage, and it's a bit like social media. The number of people that you're, the number of your friends who will probably flick through information and just keep scrolling, and they will absorb, but they won't give back, is probably a large percentage of of of, of users. Um, and so I I'm, I always implore people who reach out and who engage and who give something back because. Uh, yeah, I, I encourage act, active participants, and I get that not everyone is confident or has the experience or or time to to sort of give as much as they take. But I, a community is only as strong as the people who who are who are involved in it. So um, yeah, and I like that was I I did mention the hub. Uh, actually, that session that I was telling you or talking about earlier, I I remember I tweeted out. Was it tweet? No, it was on Facebook. I asked for what people would want, you know, their or students to know, and I, you did mention the hub, so it did come up in that session. So hopefully, some of those guys have uh, checked it out. Yeah, no, we're not great. So with regards, so there's the the free section, which has been there since day dot, uh, and obviously it's grown. Uh, I think when I when we first talked, it would have been. I think I'd only released like one episode of this. Uh, so it would have been May, middle of last year, la- middle of last year sometime. Yeah. And there was a forum and then that was when you just were just sort of starting to look at uh, putting podcasts in. I think Occupy might have been the first podcast that you put in uh, into the hub. And there was a couple other things. So what, 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 
what is offered under the free membership for starters at the moment? Like what can people log in right now and check out what sort of stuff? Sure. So, I mean, being the hub, it's doing, like we said earlier, it's got a lot of things under one roof and um, the, the danger is to not uh, a phrase in, in the UK, at least a jack of all trades, master of none, meaning that some people try and do everything and then each thing they do isn't that great because they are trying to spread themselves too thinly. Um, we're not trying to do that. Um, we're not trying to do everything uh, for the sake of doing everything. But the whole core element of what we do is to try and show everything or as much as possible is out there and then let people tap into a podcast or tap into a forum or tap into a... So uh, as a free member, you can uh, you can read the forum discussions. You can then get involved. If you, have free, if you get your free membership, you can then engage in those conversations um we have a essentially it's a blog section but we we call it therapy articles because it's a bit more i think it's more but it's meant to more of a professional space than than a blog um and who, who writes those <laughs> well you know they are the, the the blogs the therapy articles are written by uh the the members themselves largely yeah, cool sometimes we get organizations to come in and at a sort of specialist angle, we had something about um, about uh, there was a, a discussion around the importance of uh, sensory integration and, and um, a discussion around safe uh, seating and posture. And so sometimes we might bring in an organisation who works in that area, yeah, yep. but the large majority of them are written by our members, and our members are invariably occupational therapists. Um, it's open to OTAs. It's open to students. Uh, it's open to anyone. Your your mother, your friends, your <laughs> you know anyone could could join if they wanted to. And that's the that's sort of that's the inclusivity that we always want to keep. Um, but the articles were we kind of obviously try and screen them to a point and yep. make sure that we obviously have to check the content and, and check for you know, there have to be a certain number of checks when you try and open it up and sell. Anyone can write a blog and that's, yeah, yeah. it's allowing that opportunity, but you have to then be aware that someone who's just starting the profession on the other side of the world uh, might read that and think, take that as verbatim. And then actually it's, you know, we've got to look at credibility. And so it, that that's a whole other challenge in itself. Um, but, but essentially, but anyway, that, like members, if they were willing to get engaged, you know, could submit articles to you guys you know, to be posted there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so there are three, there are three parts of the hub. There's the public access information, which talks about what OT is and we've got videos and, and graphics and all sorts about that, that illustrate what the, the profession does. Um, we have a section where any occupational therapist in private practice invariably, because if you're in statute practice, you don't need to promote yourself, but in any private OT can list themselves for free um and so we want we want the public to find occupational therapists so we we don't charge for that um there's a section on the careers uh side of things how to get into the profession um and we we list some events uh that that's not as international as it should be but we're, we're working on that um then the then so that's the first section then there's the free section which you need to log in to access and we touched on the articles we touched on the forum. We also have a journal club that um, 
Charmi, who's uh, Charmi in the, she's in India and she's she's been in charge of this. She's done a great job of it so far. It's only been running since about April, but um, we do a, a journal club that covers every couple of months. We'll someone within the community will host it, and you can get involved. We they'll do an full analysis of a journal article that's open access, um, and and then people can get involved in the discussions around it and sort of. Uh, and that's great for sort yeah, of that's awesome. Good for your CPD points too, if you have to collect CPD points uh, in whatever, yeah. whatever country you're. In. I know in Australia we have to collect hours, um, so that sort of stuff is is gold when you when you need to log your CPD hours. The hub is meant to be meant to be a basically great for CPD. I have to be careful how we use the term CPD because I had a conversation with someone recently about CPD and actually CPD. They pointed out it was a fair point that is only. It's only useful if you then put it into action and you actually, you know, evidence-based practice or sort of, you know, you don't just say, oh, well, I've done my CPD because I've read this article. Well, that's enhanced your understanding of of a particular topic, which is great. And I think there's so much to be said for that, but it's, well, how can I ultimately put this into practice so that someone I'm supporting is better supported? Um, Yep. But uh, anyway, uh, to try to try to you know, in it's kind of try and keep things a bit quicker because uh, I wear <laughs> I do talk a bit. Um, so we we do, we do yeah we do that. We have a there's a section on news uh, called OT updates, all the latest kind of things going on in the profession around the world. We have um, links to external articles where you can uh, keep updated on what's going on. Um, there's a sort of a, a kind of Instagram style gallery where you can download graphics and infographics and um stuff like that um then we have research we have the podcast portal that you you, you mentioned um and yeah occupied i think was pretty much the first one to go up there um uh so we kind of cover you know articles you can read cpd you can hear through a podcast um research um there is a video section um and then yeah and then there's a now there's a i mean in the uk it'd be the cost of the cost the less than the cost of a pint of beer uh, a month um that we that we're charging for this membership plus and so we we're trying to ultimately we've got to a point where i mean i've given up a day of a day's salary every week for the last year um with no pay to try and grow this and ultimately it has to be sustainable whether it's going to make millions of pounds has is, is, is never been the aim and is probably never going to happen but it has to make some money to be sustainable because we have our you know cost to host the site cost yep. to do the market yeah, yeah anyway um so so we we felt there's a need now to have that second membership and and anyone who wants to support uh us even more would uh can can sign up on a monthly or an annual basis yeah at less than the cost of a, a pint of beer a month um or a cup of coffee um in some expensive places. So the the, uh, yeah. the dollar amount there, that's US dollars? Um, the amount that we have on the site, it, it gives it indicative. So it's US dollars, euros, yep. and, and pounds sterling. Uh, but it's Based the equivalent. The, oh, yeah, the conversion. Yeah. So at the um, moment, yeah. like, just because most listeners are in the US, like it's under or around about 25 US a year. Like that's cheaper than... You'd be lucky to find any webinar or course that costs that for you know an hour or two 
and you get this resource for a whole year for that cost. So I think that's that's awesome, man. That's really yeah. that's really reasonable. Well, I hope so. And I think you know the thing is, we may realize that we you know I think the value is probably greater than what we charge. But um, you know, do you from a unfortunately you have to think from a bit of a business head really because like I say because of all these outgoings that people probably aren't aware of. Um, you know, do you? charge a bit more probably you probably could but then you know you go back to the core reason that sub started when it was a free always a free platform and always will be but you you always have that inclusivity head on and you want to yeah actually and then from a business point of view do you charge a small amount and have thousands of people join over the years or do you charge a higher amount and actually only a smaller proportion of people join um and I think that then limits the community size and it limits. So, yeah, there's an economic and a sort of community angle on why you would charge X, Y or Z. But um, ultimately, it's I think we think it's very reasonable. And and if, if anyone does want to upgrade and we've had um, uh, a lot of people have joined in the last couple of weeks since it started the beginning of August, um, uh, you can access a global directory of useful resources and services. There's a, a therapy um, videos library that's an ever-growing library of videos that are helpful for your practice or for your studies. Um, and then we've, we've got a download section so you can download unlimited downloads. So once you've got your plus membership, you can download um, as many of these uh, sort of assessment tools or consideration documents or presentations uh, as you like. Um, and there's also a webinar section, which is, is only still needs a bit of work, but because uh, we need to schedule these in. Um, but we're going to be having live um, and uh, and and sort of pre-recorded webinars on there. So yeah, that's, that's really exciting, and it's quite ambitious. Um, yeah. So um, I need I need support of the the team around me and and the community as a whole to. Um, you know, if anyone's listening, they'd like to ever host a webinar or. Yeah. Um, has any information that they want to share in the form of a podcast, uh, a downloadable document. Ultimately, we're trying to produce more of our own content because then, you know, because there's more value in something that is own grown rather than, mm, yep. than just sharing other people's stuff. Um, but there's a place for both. And uh, so I reach out to anyone who'd like to, to get involved. Yeah. So it, it, it looks like just from the headings, like I'm looking at the website now and it looks more like the the plus membership is going to have a lot more, I guess, custom made content, like made by the hub or for specifically for the hub. Whereas the free one is more curated content from other sources. Is that rough? Yeah, sound a right? bit of both. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. The free membership includes the forum, which ultimately are discussions yep. by other members um the articles are written by other people uh we've done a load of case studies on there. there's some really helpful case studies okay, that's we're, cool we're trying to grow our list of those because i've done a few myself from my current practice but um they largely cover acute physical health so i'd love for anyone to come up and just say hey i'll like to write a case study and obviously it's anonymizing the person involved but it, it gives a lot of rich detail which i think especially for a student um or someone considering moving to a different part of the profession, uh, the insight you get there is, is is great, I think. So, um, 
so but yeah uh, the updates is latest news but it's all links to external articles so i agree yeah the, the membership plus is trying to is trying to grow our sort of homegrown stuff um yeah that's awesome yeah um but yeah no i'm, I'm really pleased with it and um i don't know where it's going to go in future i'm about to get a new job and we've got a team who are fantastic um but ultimately are all i think the usp is that it's free and it's run by therapists for therapists and of course you know occupied does that your professional body probably does that but actually professional bodies aren't run by practicing occupational therapists they are people who are, have been practicing occupational therapists make sure but the hub prides itself on actually the team all of us i think maybe by one person in london who's not in the profession and she's supporting from a kind of admin point of view um everyone else is a practicing ot so there's a lot to be we know what we need uh because we're ot's ourselves yeah, you're and, on the ground uh, doing it yeah exactly um so so yeah so that that's the real kind of i think something that sets us apart from other yeah, things yeah. exciting times exciting times ahead hopefully yeah it's it, it, it's my my work-life balance is pretty non-existent right now so i <laughs> uh, i need to it's a work, -work really, balance. <laughs> yeah and, and i, I still on a serious note it has affected yeah personal life and, and health to uh, points so i have to some point sort of step back and think hang on like i've thrown real passion into this and and that is something that really gives me a lot of enjoyment but but at what cost and yeah. um you know time is precious and i think that's something i've learned in the last couple of years is that yeah time is precious and then actually yeah i need to sort of we're, we're, we're creating a tool that saves a lot of people a lot of time by not having to trawl around the internet for stuff so we're saving people a hell of a lot of time i think and there's a huge value in that um but the people who run it their time is is is, is, is yeah this is a personal thing that I need to work out myself, but um, how do you keep sustaining something which is, is growing without, uh, without a team of, you know, we are all doing this voluntarily. That's the other thing, you know, and until we can get enough, this isn't a pledge for money, but, you know, until we can get enough, you know, there is some advertising that goes on as well. It's not very heavy at all, but there is some advertising that we do with organizations um to sustain us but until there's enough of that and there's enough of the the, the paid members really how can we keep this yeah. growing and being, having the you're trying to get it to a point where it's self-sustaining as opposed to you know labor sustaining like it is at the moment yeah yeah and they'll always need to be though i hope so hmm. but yeah it's, it's it's good stuff i'm really pleased with it but it, it's yeah and, and i'm really grateful to anyone uh, who has engaged in any of the forums or has emailed us. Uh, sometimes my email inbox is my worst enemy and it, I, I sort of <laughs> dread to open it up. Um, <laughs> but I'm really grateful to people who have reached out and have asked a question or wanted to submit something or whatever it is um, because it just shows that there's a need for it and it just shows that people want to be part of something that is that is doing something good so uh yeah um i don't know i don't know where i'm leading with this but i'm really happy with it and i and i hope that 
people get a lot of benefit out of it. And we're always open to criticism, always open to constructive criticism. We've run a couple of um, membership surveys in, in the time that we've been going, and we really want to listen to you. I know for a fact that the site, the, site, the platform is, is quite slow at times. Um, that depends on the, the, the device you're using. It depends on the internet speed you have. So it partly comes from the individual, individual, but um, but also is a very content-rich site, and it can be quite slow. So, as a priority going forward, um, we're trying to be more globally representative, more evidence-based, and faster. Those are my three, my kind of three kind of ways to keep. That's, that's the goals. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. <laughs> nah, that's awesome. And people, so it's the the OT hub dot com and you can check that out where else can people find the hub because i know you're everywhere yeah well social media so facebook twitter instagram um and linkedin um we tap into all of those ultimately the social media front is uh, often a reminder of what is on the hub so a lot of people do just follow us through social media because they maybe don't have the time to log in but i would say there is so much on there and it's the tip of the iceberg. If you're seeing a post of ours on social media, come and come and explore what's on the platform um, because you'll think great resources like Occupied, like uh, the many other podcasts, people that you've interviewed, the many, um, you know, stories, discussions, um, articles on there that, that could help your practice. So um, get involved. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely worth checking out. I think I've been a member on there like since we first met way back in the day. And yeah, there's some, there's some really cool stuff floating through there. So definitely worth checking out. And it costs you nothing to check it out. So go in, check it yeah, out. Yeah, and ultimately I know that some people will tap into it every week. I know people who do or every other day. But I also know people who probably won't, probably, you know, became a member six months ago and haven't looked since. And that's fine. But, um, you know, uh, people use it as they want to use it. Um, that's it you don't know until you check so at least go in and have a look uh and yes yeah, the the i guarantee you there's bound to be something in there that you'll find useful so it's the otthub.com uh what are we the ot hub on twitter is it the same on instagram or it's uh i think it's the occupational therapy hub but with the dots between each word oh, but yeah. yeah um you'll probably find it yeah, I'll put I'll put links to all of the different platforms on the show notes for this one. Amazing, and I, I'm yeah, thank you for yeah giving me time to kind of share that, and then I'm I've, I'm really keen to keep uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see where Occupy goes in in the months ahead, and you know you're gonna hit your fiftieth episode, and you know the engagement there is amazing, and and so I, I'm. I just really love the the so the, the amount of projects and podcasts and discussions and groups and videos out there that are you know and it's largely the younger population of our profession that are that are doing and that's that's great that the the new people coming through are are setting you know they're setting setting some good standards I hope yeah and I think like you said at the start like we're the generation that. Yeah, that's when the internet started. Like we grew up with it. Like it grew up with us, kind of thing. So you know, I guess we're the the digital natives. We're the first generation that are digital natives. And I think, if anything, we're probably even a bit late to the party in really sort of embracing 
everything that we can do with this, but I think uh, now that we have as a collective, I'm saying, I, I think things will, will take off pretty quick uh, for, uh, for OT in, in all digital spaces, video, podcast. I mean, even the, in the year and a bit that I've been doing this podcast, it's gone from being like, I think when I started there was maybe two or three, uh, and now there's, oh, there'd be probably close to 16, 17, maybe even 20, some that I haven't found yet. Like it's, it's a, it's a growing space rapidly. There's more OTs on YouTube. There's, you know, there's more OT blogs coming out. Blogs kind of died off for a bit. They're, they're exploding again. Like the hub, I think, like I said before, when I first went in there, there was maybe one or two or three different sections. And now there's like the page is full. There's what? how many is that like 20 different sections like it's it's growing exponentially and i think that's i mean like you said a large part due to us uh, this generation embracing that technology and that's not saying that this is the only generation that's going to benefit i think we're creating something that everyone can benefit from but it's you know, so, this yeah. is this is our wheelhouse so why not jump on it kind of thing yeah no time like the present that's you know? it that's it Awesome. Well, thank you so much, dude. It's been awesome to chat. I'm glad we finally nailed this down. It's only been like, I don't know, 18 months or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's been far too long. We'll have to do another one again at some point. We can. Uh, yeah, really, been really good speaking. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm loving what you're doing. And I'm, I hope we can, yeah, we'll just keep sharing everything. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm, it's been great. So uh, thank you for your, for your time.